Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. Coming up on the show this evening, we're going to take an important update look at what's happening in Niger. Of course, ECOWAS having met under the uh, leadership and auspices of the Nigerian president, uh, President Tunubu. Uh, military standby has been declared of ECOWAS member states. What does that mean uh, for the threat of military intervention? Of course, ECOWAS has the backing and support here of the United Nations as well as the United States and potentially France, at, for, at least as far as its diplomatic, uh, diplomatic interventions are concerned. They are threatening action if and when uh, the ousted uh, president has not been uh, President Bazoum, Mohamed Bazoum, is not uh, installed. There was a deadline earlier last week, and that deadline wasn't met. So what, what now? What, what's to say that the junta will be adhering to the next deadline of the installation or reinstallation of, of, the, of the president or at least returning to some sort of civilian rule? Of course, it is really only, what, two and a half or almost two years uh, since Bazoum uh, ascended to power through elections. We're going to be taking a look at that in a very, very short while. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. 11 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. In a very short while, we're going to be in conversation with Dr. Christian Ani, who's a senior research and project coordinator at the Institute for Security Studies. And we're going to be having that conversation on Niger. Um, it seems as though the deadlock between the negotiating interlocutors, that is to say, ECOWAS member states, as well as the, the junta, supported by uh, the junta in Mali, as well as the junta in Burkina Faso, are saying that they will not hand over power to civilian rule and certainly will not be reinstating uh, President Mohamed Bazoum. ECOWAS member states then have now threatened military intervention and have called for its military troops and organizations and operations to be on standby to be activated at any moment as while they continue to pursue diplomatic means of surpassing the what is now a stalemate, a, a deadlock, so to speak, between uh, the negotiating parties. The real question is, what are the diplomatic incentives that will allow for the junta to say, look, we see the bigger picture, Bazoom, come back into power. The constitution has been dissolved. There seems to me at this moment that there's no real incentive on part of the junta to step aside and return to civilian rule, very specifically to reinstate President Bazoum. But w- will they be able to withstand a military intervention by ECOWAS member states? Because as it stands, the Niger uh, uh, military uh, junta only but has itself and the support of an already thinly stretched uh, military junta out in Burkina Faso as well as in Mali. It may not have the resources to be able to sustain a military fight between, ECOWAS, between itself and ECOWAS member states, albeit ECOWAS member states has the backing and support uh, of the United States, the United Nations, and France. And the junta merely but only has, theoretically, the support of the Wagner Group. Will that be sustained? I don't know. 
Dr. Christian Ani, Senior Researcher and Project Coordinator at the Institute for Security Studies, joins us. Let, let's get straight into that uh, in, into that deadlock, the stalemate. ECOWAS member states having uh, put its troops on standby while pursuing diplomatic means. Uh, the junta seemingly not wanting to step aside, hand over to res- uh, civilian rule or reinstate uh, 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 President Bazoum. On the one hand, the uh, the junta has the support of the junta in Burkina Faso as well as in Mali. Uh, and on the other hand, the ECOWAS member states has its own support amongst itself and its own troops with the support of the United States and France. And of course, the junta seemingly believe that they have the support of the Wagner group for some reason, uh, appro- approximating their relationship much, much closer uh, to what they call Russian uh, support. What what will the next couple of days look like as these negotiations are ongoing? Um, thank you very much. Um, I think it will be a kind of um, uh, not really a chaotic moment, but a very difficult moment for ECOWAS trying to master the troops that it's going to deploy. And also one critical factor, also looking at the issue of resources. Um, that it will use for intervening because it has already now committed itself to deploying this standby force if the Niger uh, junta refuses to, uh, to to back down. So what then? It, what this means then is that you know um, the region is already suffering from um, difficulties with resources already. So where they are going to get this fund critically will be from external partners. And there will be a lot of negotiations with the EU, with the United States, along with uh, France as well, um, on how to get this resource. But then it will fall back to the, you know, the, 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 the issues that Niger and a lot of countries around the Francophone uh, region, um, countries in West Africa are having with West Af- with um, ECOWAS itself, that it has given its soul to um, actors like France and different um, Western allies who they who they perpetrate um, who they who they carry out um, you know joint um, activities with. So it's going to be a difficult moment for ECOWAS um, in in terms of uh, this mission. Prior to this, a lot of people have been saying no to this military intervention. Uh, but then ECOWAS seems to have gone for this mission. Um, if you permit me, I'll just uh, there, there are a few things that cause ECOWAS to do this. One, it's his ego. Um, yeah. ECOWAS have been over the yes, have been over the years said that you know they are not really doing much. Um, and then all the coups. This is the sixth coup, if if, if in terms of the count we have had in the region. You know, and we we now have a coup belt: Guinea, Mali, um, Burkina Faso, and Niger. Um, these four countries teaming up and be, becoming a very strong force to deliberate with. So ECOWAS is now deciding to kind of riding on its ego to establish this mission to show that it's really doing something. Yeah. But then, um, it's yeah, it's a challenge. I I, I will get back to. Yeah. Further analysis. I, yeah. I, I mean, this question that I want to ask is a little bit parenthetical, but seemingly interesting nonetheless. Is this a coup belt that will yeah. sustain further I- inwards? That is to say, should countries like Nigeria itself uh, be concerned uh, that it potentially may be a next coup victim? <laughs> Unlikely. I don't think Nigeria has has the the the, the sort of uh, factors that make a coup uh, you know possible. But who knows? Given that this is the coup belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're very right on that. I think why ECOWAS also intervened is because it's very scared that 
You know, if it says Niger is fine, let's do diplomatic talk and all that, then every other country could then uh, do a coup and then you do the you go through the whole process of diplomatic um, shenanigans. Um, sorry to use those words, but then go through that diplomatic processes, um, you know, without any um, the junta actually stepping out of power. So that's what is happening in Burkina Faso. That's what happened in Mali and in Guinea as well. You do the diplomatic diplomacies of it, um, but then nothing really happens. In Nigeria, as in there are a lot of prospects that um, things like this could happen, maybe not now, but then um, at some point. In Sierra Leone, we had cases of uh, potential coup, um, and then a lot of military officers were arrested. So um, imagine if that, um, if, if there's no strong stance by ECOWAS, there is a possibility that this could happen in another country like yeah. Um, or maybe Guinea-Bissau. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, not not to digress too far, but Guinea-Bissau seems like a possibility. Uh, Burkina Faso already a cool country. Benin uh, as well, yeah. uh, seeming a yeah, prospect yeah. as well. Uh, and who knows, <laughs> Cameroon may be next. Chad, Chad, seeming a possibility <laughs> as well. Uh, but and, look, yeah. and this may seem like a silly question to ask, but what we see here is a rising sentiment of anti-Western. Uh, interference, a rising sentiment very specifically of anti-French uh, sentiment. These are people calling for things such as uh, the, the the expulsion of Western uh, political actors uh, and French political actors in particular to that, away from these sorts of countries. And it seems to be rooted in, in, in ideology more than it's rooted in anything else. And ideology sustains a coup. Uh, and perhaps makes it successful uh, and gets civilian support behind it. And this is why I'm asking this. Should Western partners, very specifically those that have a material and resource interest uh, in what's happening in Western Africa along the Sahel, should they be uh, 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 changing their tactic in how they engage in these countries? Yes, definitely. I think um, to, just to put it lightly, one, one key thing to understand is that they are the cause of a lot of um, the chaos in, in, in the region, uh, not just um, across West Africa, but then when we look specifically in West Africa, where uh, where there's a francophone countries and they have a lot of military and economic cooperation uh, with a lot of Western counterparts. And you see that those corporations are kind of uh, predatory um, and uneven uh, kind of relations um, where uh, France, for instance, play a paternalistic role. Um, and in some cases, there are cases of that, you know, the militaries of the countries in Niger are undermined um, in, in many ways uh, by, by this junta. So... So there's a lot riding on to it around, the, you know, the anti-Western um, dialogue. So, but then when you look at the Niger case, it's a little bit different, um, as in it's good for us to recognize that, that it's uh, based on the power struggles that, you know, the military is having, um, or let's say key um, officials are having with the current uh, government of uh, Bazoum. Um, so that is um, where this emerged. And then they quickly, you know, linked it to, um, to the anti-French, anti-Western sentiments um, and also to other 
economic challenges that they're having uh, within the country. So you're right that, yes, the ideology um, that, you know, uh, the, the, the Western allies have not really thought about providing sustainable, um, you know, economic growth and development within the region. Um, you know, it's not their responsibility to do, but then it's their responsibility to also back off from, you know, overimposing, from dictating terms that happen within the countries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, circling back very specifically to the ongoing negotiations, what could ECOWAS potentially put on the table uh, that would be an incentive for the junta uh, in, in Niger to transition towards uh, the reinstating of either Bazoum or handing over to civilian rule through some form of election? I think, yeah, let's see it from two perspectives. One, it should be um, yeah, job security. <laughs> Everyone wants their security. Um, it, should be, it should be to some extent that, um, you know, that Bazoum's government still, to some extent, um, accepts some of, their, um, some of them within the, the power structure. To what extent that is sustainable is difficult to, to really say. You know, how can you have um, actors that are not answerable to the government and then the, to the president and who the president could not fire, but they will want that term um, really enshrined. And then the second part, again, is the issue of um, development and also the anti-Western um, approaches. What measures will be concretely put in place by um, ECOWAS and be driven over for a longer period of time to say, okay, now Niger, you have rich uranium. How do you ben benefit from this uranium source that you have, um, you, you know, uh, in a way that it doesn't play into the hands of um, those who are, um, you know, mining this resource and taking them out of the country um, for their own personal gains. So those are some of the things that will be there. Um, but then one key aspect would be the security of these uh, uh, juntas, get their job securities um, maintained. And ECOWAS has to find a way to, to, to negotiate that if there has to be a diplomatic solution. Otherwise, um, it, the case would be more military um, intervention. Yeah. And, and at this point, I guess the uh, prospects of a diplomatic solution is thin to none. Yes, it's very thin to none in terms of, you know, um, the Junta did not allow, as in it was, it's an affront. Um, Junta did not allow ECOWAS, the African Union, and the UN, um, you know, forced to get into Niger in the first place. So they kind of even sent a communicate bemoaning that, um, uh, that gesture. But it just shows that, you no know, countries are beginning to realize that power lies within them. And it's to the extent to which they open up that um, some of these actors uh, gain things. But then, you know, if anything happens, if this military intervention happens in Niger, uh, Nigeria has a lot to suffer. There will be refugee flows to Nigeria. There will be, um, you know, the terrorist group that um, Nigeria and Nigeria are fighting, that's Boko Haram, uh, you know, will have more leeway to maneuver around um, you know, on governed spaces within Niger. And it's almost like Niger can say, okay, I open my borders to um, federal threats to Nigeria and, and beyond. And then that, that will make it um, a whole catastrophe for, for the region. But I don't think there's a lot of thought around the implications. Yeah. 
As it stands, um, ECOWAS has cut off uh, aid flowing into Niger. So has an, uh, the Western allies to ECOWAS. Um, that's to say yes. all the funding, all the uh, aid funding that the government of Bazoum was dependent on to be able to deliver services has stopped. Uh, the junta will have yes. to find creative ways of being able to b- continue getting revenue and to continue to deliver those services. I'm assuming as and when negotiations are continuing, one of the demands w- that would be put on the table by the junta would be the reopening of the aid tap. Is that at all possible? Is that something that ECOWAS would seriously consider? Um, so I think it, uh, for ECOWAS, it's their, own, their major bargaining chip that, okay, this is the, we have economic grip on this um, in Nigeria. So for instance, Nigeria provides a lot of economic support. There was a time Nigeria was even buying uh, vehicles, um, you know, for the key government officials within Nigeria. Um, you know, so it's, it's, that, it's that deep in terms of the relationship between Nigeria and Nigeria. And that economic will be the bargaining chip that ECOWAS itself has. Um, and that will be what it can tie significantly on the people. But you also just look at the fact that, you know, Niger Juntas, they are basically acting on, the, on military calculation at the moment. You know, when it comes to them governing the people and then, you know, all the complex aspects of uh, stakeholder engagement with different actors in order to have buy-in for the economy to thrive, you know, they will find it difficult to achieve, you know, and then the people who supported or who kind of supported the junta currently will begin to see, no, this is not what we bargained for. Um, This is not not it, you know, so... to some extent, uh, we'll see that um, coming coming into play. They are already feeling the bites now um, from the electricity and, and and economic policies. But in the it will get worse, and and they will definitely come back to negotiate. And the cooperation they have with um, Russia or with Wagner Group is purely military and political backing. It doesn't have um, a lot of uh, backing in terms of economic support, um, which Russia cannot even afford to um, to, to provide uh, beside the uh, military support. Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your for your time this evening, Dr. Christian Ani. Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Monday to Thursdays, 10 p.m.